Great song. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, moms. The title of the message today is Learn from Moms. You know, we've been learning from our moms our whole life. And it's always interesting when you, when you have the little kids share about their moms and the different things that they pick up. Reminds me in 1 Thessalonians 2, what Paul says, and he says in verse 7 and 8, We were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well because you'd become so dear to us. And uh, Paul is saying, hey, you know, the way I was with you, that's the way a mom is with her kids. You know, God gave mothers the special ability to nurture, to love, to care. And, uh, you know, you hear, hear the kids and here's the role of a mom to play with me, feed me, be nice to me. You know, uh, magic, I put that in the category of entertain me. You say, why the superpower flying so that you can drive me to my activities faster? You know, that's what a mom does. A lot of those things are just thankless jobs. It's just a thing that you do. And Paul's saying, hey, the way I cared about you, the way that I laid my life down, the way, the way I, I put you in my heart was a mother's love. And point number one is moms put their heart into their kids. Now, one thing you'll realize, too, God does the initial putting of the heart into your kids. You know, a phrase was said, when, when your kids are born, God takes your heart out of your body, puts it in their body, and now your heart just roams around out there in a cruel world. And so everything that they feel, you feel. But moms dedicate themselves to taking everything that they are, you know, all their wisdom, all their energy, all their strength. And say, I'll do everything I can to give my kids the best possible chance to succeed. Over in Acts chapter 16, we read about a man named Timothy. You know, Timothy was awesome. But he didn't just get that way. He had some great influences in his life. And in Acts chapter 16, it says, uh, starting in verse 1 to 4, He came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. So the Bible tells us that Paul came uh, to Derby and to Lystra, and that's where Timothy lived. It says Timothy was a disciple, 
But so was his mom. But she wasn't just any kind of a disciple. She came from a Jewish background, and she was married to a Greek, a non-believer. So the cards were stacked against Timothy, but you see that a good mom paved the way for a faithful foundation for Timothy. And you go back to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You see, later in Timothy's life, he's uh, getting a little weak there, needs some encouragement from Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Paul says to Timothy, I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. And what Paul is saying is, hey, Timothy, hey, you're feeling weak right now, but remember what your mom taught you. Remember what your grandmother taught you. Remember their faith. You've got a legacy to live out. Their faithfulness was a model for you to imitate. And he says, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but love, power, and self-discipline. You know, the role of a mom is so crucial in a child's life because the hours of impact that goes into a lifetime of parenting. You know, moms take that role seriously. I want you to think about this as a kid. When's the last time that you were trying to do some crazy thing And your mom was concerned, and you said, Mom, stop worrying about me where it worked. They never stop. They don't stop worrying when you're 20. They don't stop worrying when you're 30 or you're 40 or you're 50. You know why? Because to say, Mom, quit worrying about me. What you're trying to tell them is stop being a mother. Quit loving. Quit caring. Quit being concerned. I'll be fine. No, because as a mom, you're like, no, I will go to my grave with every ounce of energy, trying with all that I am to give you the best possible chance of victory. You say, you can stop now. You've done enough. For a mom, it's never enough. I always tell people that are venturing down, you know, the path of marriage and then on to parenting. I say, you know what? Marriage will work on your pride. Parenting will work on your selfishness. Self-centered people don't adjust well to parenting. Because they like life's just so-and-so and everything's just in its proper place and you can have a set schedule and you can live exactly according to it and everything's fine and no disruptions until a child comes along. Because you know what? That baby doesn't care about what your schedule is. 
If it's time to poop, I'm going to. And there's not, there's not a parent alive that doesn't know going on a road trip with your kids. And five minutes after you left, I got to go to the bathroom. But I asked you five minutes ago to go to the bathroom. You said you didn't have to. I didn't have to go five minutes ago. But now I got to go. You know, the role of a mom is crucial. You know, a mom's heart always has room for more. Through all the sorrows, through all the pain, through the victory, you know, through the defeats, there's always room for the mom to go at it again. You know, in Romans chapter 16, I want to tell you about Rufus's mom. And I thought, you know, this is a good passage to preach on just simply because the guy's name is Rufus. <laughs> Romans chapter 16. Look at what Paul says. Verse 13. You know, he writes this letter to the church in Rome and he's getting done with it. And he's like, tell, tell all these specific people hi. And in verse 13, he says, hey, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother. Because she's been a mother to me, too. You see, a mother's heart doesn't just parent the biological kids. Because that's just not what a mom does. You know, mom's mother and they may be called by your last name or not, it's not going to stop them from mothering. You know, that's their role. Now, me, my role in the neighborhood is I'm the neighbor that spoils kids with candy and ice cream when they come over. That's not the role of a mother. But that's my role. It's my gift. I said you want to win over the kids because they're going to, you know, run the show one day. But I, I think about, like, our ladies that lead women's ministries. I think about Jill. Now, she and Felix, they lead the teen ministry. You know what she is? She's a mom to the teen girls. Now, she's fun, and she will do cool things with the teen girls. But you know what? The teen ministry doesn't need her to be a teen. I don't know that any of us would go, hey, we've got a new plan. We're appointing a junior in high school to lead the teen ministry. The parents would be like, uh, what's Ron Quentin, Trey Sugarman's number? I need to talk to him. Gosh, she's another mom. I think about Lashana with the college students. She's another mom. You say, well, I already have moms. You know what? You can never have too many moms. Paul had lots of moms. Think about my wife. I love watching my wife at work in the fellowship and with the singles and the singles Bible talk and all that. She's a mother. So she mothers. And just like I said before, you cannot tell a mom, stop worrying about me. No, because moms can't do that. Because they mother. That's what moms do. 
You see, when you give your heart to somebody, you can never stop caring. Like, what kind of love would go, that's it, I no longer care about you. You've disappointed me too many times. you reached my care limit. Not enough, no more. No more love and care for you. Go find somebody else. Like, can you imagine that for family dinner? You did what? Okay, that's it. You're out of family. Find someone else to feed you and clothe you. You've disappointed me one too many times. You know what? It doesn't matter how many times you get disappointed or upset or whatever. A mom's heart never, ever quits loving. Who do you feel that way about? You see, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2 that the way I love you, the church, is a motherly kind of love. It's that intense, never giving up, always caring love. Who do you feel that way about? I'm not talking about is there a moment in your life where you had concern for somebody. Now, all of us have had moments where we're concerned about somebody, but I'm saying, who is in your heart so deeply that no matter what they do, you can never stop caring? You know, when times are tough, it's good to have a lot of moms. You know, I like what Jesus said in Mark 3. Uh, his mom was upset and his family because he was so busy that he wasn't able to eat. And they said he's out of his mind and they're going to go take charge of him. In Mark 3. And Jesus preaching the word and they say your mom you know, is outside and your brothers and sisters. And he looks around and he said, who's my mother and my brothers and my sisters? Whoever does the will of God. See, Jesus had his biological mom, but he had a lot of spiritual moms. You know what? Oh, over the last couple weeks, I've benefited from multiple moms. Because time's been tough at home. You know, news with dad just gets worse. I've got a lot of motherly encouragement and a lot of motherly hugs. And I've appreciated it. And I was thankful for people giving me that encouragement. You know, we're all here today because somebody's cared that way about us. Say, do you put your heart into people the way your mom puts into you? Do you care that much? You know, it's hard to care that much. It takes vulnerability to care that much because you have to extend your heart to care. But when you give your heart, what you risk is disappointment and rejection being hurt. You say, well, I don't want to feel those things. You can't love like a mom and not feel those things. You know, we'd all want to have just tons of kids if we knew exactly how every aspect of their life was going to turn out. You have kids, you have no idea what you're going to get. You don't know how much they're going to cost. 
you don't know what we're going to like, what's not going to like. Health challenges. We have no idea. But we make a decision to have kids so that we can love. I'll just let you in on a little secret. They're not good financial investments. Now, I'm hoping my two become good, productive members of society. But so far, it's just been the money pit. But I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't try to have bargain kids. I just had my kids. You see, to love like a mom means you have to give your heart first. And then you find out what's going to happen second. You know, some of us are living lonely lives right now. Because we've decided, I don't want to be hurt anymore. And we rob our life from the blessings of deep family relationships. Like everybody wants to be cared for unconditionally. But there's just no guarantees. But I promise you this, if you love like a mom, you will create family. I mean, for Timothy, the cards were stacked against him. The Bible says, hey, they had to circumcise him because everybody knew his father was a Greek. Apparently, it was well known that his dad was not a believer. Now, sometimes we have immense challenges we face in parenting and loving people because of certain influences in their life. But grandma and mom came through. We don't know how long it took. But it didn't matter. Because the heart of a mom never gives up. Moms put their heart into their kids. Hey, just like Rufus's mom, we can adopt somebody. We can adopt a lot of people. All it takes is a heart and a decision to love unconditionally. Moms put their heart into their kids. Point number two, moms never stop persuading. If I gave you 30 seconds, you could make a list of things that your mom tried throughout your entire life to get you to remember. It could be things about cleaning, Laundry, cooking, academic habits, work ethic, how to treat future husband, wife, schedule requirements, how you fold napkins, how you fold towels. I mean, there's so many things that if you just, you know, you're probably thinking of them right now. And if your mom starts with the first word of the speech, you can repeat the rest of it verbatim. Okay, mom, I got the point. She's going to tell you anyway. Because moms never stop persuading. Go back to Acts chapter 16. 
We're going to look at Lydia here. So Paul's in uh, Philippi, and it says, starting in verse 13, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, a couple things I notice about Lydia. You know, she was accomplishing a lot in her life. She had a household, so she was a mom. And so she had perfected the art of persuasion. Now, we're always trying to persuade our kids. Listen to what she tells Paul. If you consider me a believer, come and stay at my house. That's kind of manipulative. Wait, so if I say, no, I'm not coming to your house, then that's because I don't consider you a faithful Christian. But of course I do. But Paul's kind of trapped. Exactly. Moms are good at this. And they'll say things like, I need your help, but I'm busy right now. Well, I bore you. Not bored to death like boredom, but I gave birth to you. That's how it was said in my house. I bore you. Like, what are you supposed to say to that? Yeah, that is true. Okay, I'll help. Persuasive. And if that approach doesn't work, then they work on something else. They're always trying to persuade. Growing up in my home, if the direct approach didn't work, then the next talk was dad. And if that didn't work, then it was twin brotherly talk. Which, you know, you could always sniff that one out. I'm like... Mom and Dad sent you, didn't they? (laughs) What do you think? Oh, yeah. Why? Because they're trying to persuade. You know, I laugh. My mom is, is trying to persuade all the time my sons. She's just like, the persuasion just continues. My mom will persuade my wife, which I love it. When mom's given my wife lists with great persuasion, I go, honey, this is good for you. It's good for you to experience. You know, sometimes it can actually feel like you're nagging. You know, persuasion that never gives up can get really annoying when you don't want to do it. Quit bugging me. Quit pestering me. Quit trying to persuade me. Didn't matter. And and look a little bit later. You know, Paul and Silas get thrown 
into prison. They get severely beaten. And then it's like, oh, uh-oh, we beat Roman citizens without a trial. We're in big trouble. And uh, Paul says, no, they need to escort us out. And in verse 38, the officers reported this to the magistrates. When they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Now, whose house did he go to? Lydia's. Yeah, Lydia had an impact on Paul in a short period of time. She was persuasive. You know, Paul was not some convictionless, spineless, wimpy dude. And yet Lydia had an amazing interaction with him that won him over in a short time. You know, I'd venture a guess that if you got severely beaten and put in the inner stocks, that when you got a chance to get out, you would want to go someplace that you knew you were going to be well taken care of. little Model A honk right there. Where'd Paul pick? Lydia's home. You know what? Persuasion is a good thing. And we've experienced it our whole life from our moms. Say the most important persuasion comes down to our spiritual life. And go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says in verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is plain to your conscience. You know, what Paul is saying is, listen, we know what the truth is about the spiritual life. Therefore, we try to persuade There's no guesswork in it. Well, we are. It's plain to God. And I hope it's plain to your conscience. Paul's saying, we're trying to convince you what the truth of the spiritual world is. Because Satan is trying to get you to minimize it. What's really there, its consequences, its implications, the time frame. Oh, you have tomorrow, you have next week and next year. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You can change later. Paul says, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. So why why do mothers try and persuade us? Because they've seen how the story ends. You know what we think? Well, mom is, you know, so old that she doesn't really understand my life. You know, she's probably like 45 or older. You know, week and a half and and young becomes 45. But right now, 45 is where it starts. But we, we, we really think that. We really think 
Mom does not know what she's talking about. And it pains a mother's heart because you know what she's thinking? I've seen how the story ends. This is not rocket science. I don't care if we have Twitter and Facebook now. By the way, you may get mothered on Facebook too. You put some post and people not related to you are going to comment on it. Not everything's going to say like. Get some mothering on Facebook. But moms are trying to impart wisdom through life experience. And they're trying to prevent bad things happening. And Paul says, we know what it is to fear the Lord, so we try and persuade men. He says a little bit later in the chapter, in verse 20, we're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You know, God's plan to get the message out is to use people that have experienced it to persuade others. They say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with any of that kind of persuasion. It makes me uncomfortable. It's God's plan. Just like it's God's plan to take care of you by giving you a mom. You know, God is powerful enough that he could have made you exist without having to go through the whole maturation process and relying on a mom. But he knows we need it. And he said, people who know better need to persuade those who don't know better. And never, ever stop persuading. Because as long as there's the breath of life, there's the chance and hope of eternal life. We're we're ambassadors. We represent him. You know, I love that song that Jessica sang, like my my mother does. You know, you think about who you are as a person. And you get older and then, you know, you get married and then you parent and you start realizing, why do I do this? Huh. Just like my mom did. You know, at the heart of a mom, it goes into the kids, and the heart of a mom never stops persuading. Are you studying the Bible right now? Anybody persuading you to make Jesus Lord of your life? How are you responding? Maybe even thought or said, man, you act like my mom. <laughs> if anybody ever says that to you, go, thank you. It's a compliment. They got the point. 
They don't feel persuaded. You're not doing a good job. Be more clear to the point. Never apologize for trying to persuade somebody to do what's right. You say, what do I do if they don't? Then you refer to point number one. You see, God gave his moms to learn how to love. And on Mother's Day, we give honor to our moms. It's an awesome, awesome time. But I want each one of us to think about the way that our moms love us. And turn around and love others the same way. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be willing to put our heart into another person's heart. Let's adopt. Let's, let's spiritually adopt. Let's care. And never ever stop persuading. Let's learn from our moms as we honor them today on Mother's Day. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close in spirit's fire.